On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. We are heading back to the early 80s for not just a classic Christmas movie, but a truly classic 80s movie. A young man by the name of Chris Columbus was inspired one night when he heard creatures, maybe mice, scurrying around in the dark outside his apartment. He started to think, what if there were actually creatures, hundreds, maybe thousands, actually moving around in the dark? The idea inspired him to write a spec script to show off his writing talents. He never expected anything to come of it, much less a movie, but then it fell into the hands of a man who thought it was the most original thing he had ever read. A man named Steven Spielberg. After Spielberg decided to executive produce the film, they had to find a director. Joe Dante ended up being picked because of his previous work on The Howling, and soon enough, the little script that Chris thought as undoable became a hit. A big hit. Despite opening the exact same day as Ghostbusters, our movie of the week, the timeless horror comedy Gremlins, became the fourth highest grossing film of 1984, spawning toys, a 1990 sequel, Fur Baby still being named Gizmo almost 30 years later, and an ever-enduring legacy as a favorite film for many film lovers. So dim the lights, change that TV to HBO Max, and enjoy some holiday scares and cares with an all-time favorite. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Looking for my gizmo. As he stares into the camera. (laughs) And I'm Brittany, of course. (laughs) As soon as I started recording my part, he started scratching at the door and I was like, (laughs) During your part, he was totally silent. Did you want want attention, Bubba? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, we're doing Gremlins this week, which I'm very excited because obviously I named my dog after it. Um, not that Gizmo and Gadget isn't a cute name combination. It is cute. However, definitely if people don't get the reference, I might judge them a little bit, you know. Yeah. How are you? I am good. Thank you for asking. I just, I was, I love this movie too. Obviously, we both like grew up with this film. Yes. And I... As I have told you many, many times, like, I was like, I love part one, but part two was like a staple of my childhood. But this one, I mean, this was a classic. And I would say the majority of the fan base definitely prefers the first to the second. But Joe Dante prefers the second to the first. Oh, and see, it's like, I I do like that. It's like, well, the director, and it turns out that like, part two is definitely like the sequel making fun of sequels. And it was supposed to be a okay, we'll never make a third one, which is what I like. But at but the same time, I've al- I always have this fear that there may be a reboot. They are making day. a third one. It's coming out next year. Is that like, where has that been announced? It's though? on IMDb. Joe Dante's involved. What? Yes. I don't think the previous cast is involved. 
But that is a very new development. Oh, so like, is it pre-production? Now, I hate to say this about any film, but is it like a... Well, Secret... Oh, it's an upcoming American computer animated fantasy comic streaming television series. Oh, I thought there was a movie one, too, that was on showing up on everyone's IMDb's. Yeah, there's one that says it's a series that's going to air on HBO Max in 2023. Okay. Well, that's a little better. Yeah, because I was just like, wait one minute, what? And I hate to say it, but always until the the movie outlets like start talking about casting and something, I'm like, ooh, things like that can end up in production hell really quick. There's also, like, people have made fan films of Gremlins and named it Gremlins 3 as well, which I think is kind of cool. It's so funny just, like, reading about this movie and how it was, like, literally, like, Chris was like, yeah, I wrote the script. And then it's like Steven Spielberg was like, yeah, I'm going to make this script into a movie. And everyone he handed it to was like, how the fuck are we going to do this? Like that Animatronics. Is... But you know, I know you know from your research at one time, they were like, let's try monkeys. Which is... Oh, that would have never worked. Like, what the hell? And then they were like, they did like three versions of Gizmo. And then Steven Spielberg, which I do think is kind of funny because obviously my dog is part beagle. And he was like, I wanted to look more like my dog. So they were like, so we're studying pictures of Steven Spielberg's beagle trying to get Gizmo looking more like I mean, it's not a bad idea because like dogs are very lovable and they're very photogenic and people love how they look. But I do think that Gizmo doesn't look completely dog-like. No. And he's not like, he's his own little thing. He does look like a Furby, if you haven't seen Mm -hmm. Gremlins yet. In fact, they made, I believe, I remember seeing in a Spencer's Gift, a Gizmo Furby. Because I think they almost got sued. Yeah, 1999 Gremlin Furby. I mean, because if you look at a Furby, it looks just like... The face of a gremlin. It has a beak instead of a little bear face. I was about to say, I think Gizmo is very much cuter than a Furby. I had a Furby, yeah. but they're kind of they're kind of a little scary in a way. They are because they just wake up all the time in the middle of the me, night. Me, love you. Oh my god, me hungry. Me, 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 me. And you know what? Gizmo went straight to bed. That's true. Gizmo is just so cute, which is, it's a fun fact. So reading, like deep diving into this. So, and I kind of, I have to admit, I kind of would have liked to see this script, even though I'm glad the movie is the way it is. Obviously it's a classic, Yeah. but they were like, yeah, the script was really dark. And yeah, they're Stripe like, and Gizmo were the same character originally. Mm-hmm. But then- and Billy's mom gets decapitated and <gasps> her head kicked down the stairs. I didn't read like, that part. Oh yeah, like yeah, Damn. they literally decapitate Billy's mom and throw her head down the stairs at him. I was like, oh yeah, that's more evil yeah, than, that, than that, gremlins. That's a little too far mm-hmm. if you want to sell gizmo toys. Yeah. And they were smart because that's what they wanted to do. They were just like this is this baby's gonna sell. Kids are gonna have plushies of him, and they were right. But the thing is, like, it is a little scary. It is for kids, especially. Like now, it's just kind of fun. Like honestly, I think the smartest thing they did about this movie was to not have blood, blood to have the gremlins have like green blood because when they get, they do get decapitated, and they get put in a blender, and they do all kinds of terrible things. To the gremlins because they're evil. But because it's like green, it doesn't seem as violent. But if they just had blood instead of green goo, like it would be 
probably as bloody as the original Evil Dead, if not more. And they blow them all up. Like, it is a little too adult for, like, itty-bitty kids, I think. But anyways, I'm glad they didn't decapitate Lynn, Billy's mom. Yeah. I really like her. And actually, I think she has the best action sequence in this whole movie i was about to say she's a little badass like i was like oh go get it like yeah she's girl girl's a final girl fantastic so so we've already talked about steven spielberg we know he's Mm -hmm. involved if you don't know steven spielberg (laughs) i feel sorry for you yeah but probably his most famous movies are schindler's list which is a very serious movie but he in the 80s is very well known for very popular movies some of them are very family friendly um like et also jurassic park in the 90s which still holds up today it's so weird you say spielberg i insulate here done in my head like jaws yes and jaws is another one that's kind of dark and scary but not crazy inappropriate so still a little family friendly but also in the Indiana Jones series, yes. um, which George Lucas helped him produce, and Saving Private Ryan, which honestly, it took me two tries to watch that movie because the beginning was so awful. Like, yeah. in a, like, it's a really well-made movie. It just really puts you on the beaches of Normandy, and it is really sad. And Schindler's List is obviously really depressing, too, because it's about the Holocaust. We're recording on December 7th, and I instantly woke oh my God, up it's and Pearl was Harbor like, December... That's why I was like, today is a day that will live in infamy. Like, instantly, as soon as I woke up. Also, so. yesterday was St. Nicholas Day. which I And December 5th is Krampus Day, so... So Steven Spielberg, pretty big potatoes in the movie world. I will say... This may be a controversial thing. I like his 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 80s and 90s stuff and 70s stuff. Great. Fantastic. Even through the early 2000s. Recently, his movies have gotten very long and not very interesting. I don't even want to see his latest movie. It looks You know what? Boring. And see, I've heard really good things about the Fableman, so I kind of want to see it. But also, Joe Dante. Joe Dante is a fantastic director. He did Gremlins and Gremlins 2, The New Batch, which, Brittany, I think you said The New Batch is your favorite. Yes, it is. Which, it's a very meta movie, but it was kind of a flop because they decided to release it on the same weekend as Dick Tracy, which had Madonna in it in the ni- 80s, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, 1990, yeah. 1990, yeah. Mm-hmm. In 1990, Madonna was like the shit in the 80s and 90s. Another weird thing about this movie is they insisted that it wasn't a Christmas movie. So they released this one in the summer, too. And it, yeah. it was a hit. But I was like, that's such a missed opportunity. Especially when it took longer to get things onto home video back then. It's also really interesting because I I didn't get to go back and look at old Gremlins trailers. But my understanding is the the Gremlins trailer they played the most, it misdirected the audience into thinking it was like another E.T. type thing. So there was like... Yes, and Steven Spielberg had just come off of E.T. Yeah. People were like, oh, it's going to be cute. And there was walkouts in the theaters because they yes. had no idea. They were just like, are you fucking kidding me? So- <laughs> well, I mean, the first half of the movie, it is yeah. adorable and cute. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Speaking of oh, fucking monsters, he also directed The Howling, which is a werewolf movie. Yes. Piranha was one of his first directorial movies. It was another horror movie. He also did, is this like a, it's kind of a horror movie, but it's not. The Burbs? It's like, you know, Tom Hanks moves to the suburbs and has nightmare neighbors. And I've seen it once, and it is good, but I saw it when I was very little. 
But I just remember it like being shot like a horror movie, but it's just like bad things happening in the suburbs. And he, I don't think was credited for this one, but he also directed Rock and Roll High School. Oh, okay. Which is that it's like a weird musical that Kismo saw. It's like a weird musical movie, but it starred the Ramones. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was in the 80s, and it was like, we're just gonna sing a bunch of rock and roll songs. It's the rock and roll high school. And then we've also... I thought it was weird. If you, Chris Columbus, in case you didn't know, was kind of the king of writing wholesome movies at this point. He did Gremlins. He did Mrs. Doubtfire. He directed. He did. He write Mrs. Doubtfire. I know he, he directed, directed it. Doubtfire. Yeah. 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 Um, and he directed Home Alone. Oh yeah, and Home Alone Two, Lost in New York. And Home Alone Two. And he directed Stepmom, which was huge when we were little kids. Everyone saw that movie. Also, uh, a movie that I don't know if you watched it with your mom when you were little, but I watched Adventures in Babysitting with my mom when I was little. That one has a very similar vibe to this one. Um, But he also directed and produced the Harry Potter series. He directed the first two. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's kind of responsible for the tone of the Harry Potter series. But I like that they changed directors. But it was one of those series that remained pretty consistent even when they changed directors, which is hard to do. But he also directed Rent, the movie. But he also, and I I feel like I have to say this because this would definitely be the most important thing for Taylor. He wrote The Goonies. I'm like, dude, like The Goonies is like huge. And then I hadn't thought of this movie in years, but I did like this movie when I was little too. Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. I didn't I know. I always thought it was an anime because it looks as suck like an anime, but he wrote the script for it. Anyways, I thought it was funny that Kathleen Kennedy was an executive producer for Gremlins because she's responsible for some good and some questionable things about the Star Wars universe at Disney. She's been in charge of that for a while. And then... I feel like we have to mention the animatronics, which were designed by Chris Wallace, who he's a very impressive resume. Not only did he work on some things that you would think, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, both of the Fly movies yeah. with Cronenberg, and Naked Lunch, which has a lot of weird body horror stuff in it. But he was also on, he worked on Airplane, which I love that movie, and Scanners, which has the, you know, the head exploding sequence. Um, And then we had John Hora, who did The Howling, Gremlins 2, Explorers, UHF, and The Burbs. So, like, a lot of people working together on several things. Yeah. I think originally, what's his face, who ended up doing Gremlins 2 creature designs, was supposed to do it, and then he left to do a different film but then he came back oh no i'm thinking about the howling i think he was supposed to do the howling who did who did gremlins 2 animatronics i completely blank blanking rick baker rick baker i'm 99 percent sure it's rick baker should i double check yeah but rick baker was supposed to do the howling and left to do oh american werewolf in paris oh and then he came back and did gremlins 2 i am pretty sure wait american werewolf in paris was like mid 90s wasn't it no that was the 80s i thought american werewolf in london was 80s and american werewolf oh in- london with yeah. the first one yeah sorry. yeah sorry sorry no, it's sorry. okay london, london. it's okay so yeah rick baker did is it kind of like a he's he's very famous in the creature designs he's got an academy award for best makeup and hairstyling yay but he did those but i really like the ones in this one as well i think rick baker probably was more of a workhorse so i think the second one because they had way more gremlins yeah that and were the grim- singular 
The Mogwai in this movie that spawned off of Gizmo look more like Gizmo. While the Mogwai that, the new batch that spawned off of Gizmo, they have more like unique colorings and patterns and stuff. Yes, they're very, and like Brittany was like, I forgot, was pointing out earlier, like, I forgot that they all had like names and I definitely did as well. Um, I totally forgot that they had names. The brain gremlin is definitely my favorite though. (laughs) I love the brain gremlin. It is pretty funny. Yes. I'm just making sure I was right. But yes, Rick Baker. I like the cinematography in this movie. I I just love this movie. It's it's one of my favorite films of all time. It's a good one. It's one I can rewatch many, many, many times and be fine. Also, I thought this was funny. Talking about the animatronics. They had to search everyone's trunks when they would leave the studio lot. Because each each gremlin or gizmo... Cost between thirty and forty thousand dollars. Wow! So they would stop everybody, including the main characters. And he, in an interview, he was like, "Billy was like, hey, like, why would I steal it? I'm like the main character in this movie. He's like, well, yeah, you have the most access to it, so yeah, of course we're gonna check yours." And I thought that was funny. I also something I thought was funny in retrospect because I remember my parents had like a Leonard Mountain book, and like that's how like I became like kind of like I already love movies, but like then I would just like see a movie on TV and I would go to the little book and look it up and be like, uh-huh. Leonard Leonard gave this three out of four stars. Okay. So it turns out when this movie was released, Robert e- Roger Eger loved this movie while Leonard Malton did Whoa. not. Yeah. And so that's why in part two, there's the cameo of him getting pummeled by the gremlins. It's because he gave the first movie a bad review, uh, which I it's think is really great, cute. pretty great though. Yeah. Joe Dante also studied, so interesting fact so the set is the same set from back to the future which makes so much more sense it looks so familiar and i was like oh shit that's why (laughs) isn't it funny yeah i love that and because it was a christmas movie like he it turns out that joe dante really studied frank kappa's it's a wonderful life to get that feel like the same small town Mm -hmm. feel which is why it's like there's a cameo of the movie inside the movie which i was like well that's pretty cool i like those little like inside things that they're including in it so it's very witty there's a lot that's going into this movie and when you watch it a few times you start to notice things like every single time there's something new you notice i think that's enough background yeah before we get into gremlins if you have kids this movie's on hbo max right now so it if, if you have kids that like creepy things and want to watch like the new it movies or whatever maybe let them watch gremlins because it's kind of like a good amount of creepy scary and fun and comedy and it's not too intense yeah but i feel like even now it still satisfies my chaos quota it's a very chaotic film and it it is a good guys versus bad guys kind of film too so there's that for children. Make sure you watch it because we don't want to spoil anything because this is a very fun, entertaining movie. I would call this a horror comedy, even though Steven Spielberg's like, it's not a horror movie. I'm like, yeah, Steven, it kind of is. I do have a little synopsis. Yay. When Billy Peltzer's dad gifts him one of the cutest Christmas presents ever, he's horrified by what terror awaits if you don't follow the Mogwai's three simple rules. One, don't expose it to light. Two, don't get it wet. And most importantly, don't ever 
feed it after midnight. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. So yeah, so we're getting into plot in our cast. And I'm going to say this. The one maybe problematic thing about this movie is... That there's a little bit of cultural appropriation, but I feel like it kind of is making fun of cultural appropriation, if that makes sense. Yeah. But also Steven Spielberg had people eating monkey brains the same year. So I'm not sure, but I'm just going to give that one little warning. Although I feel like there might have been a purposeful choice with who they cast as Mr. Wing. First we meet Randall Rand Peltzer, who is an inventor, and he is played by... Hoyt Axton. So he was a singer-songwriter. He's best known for Joy to the World, which, of course, has one of the best opening lines in a song ever, which is Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Yes. Was a good friend of mine. That's a great song. And the original line was actually, Jeremiah was a prophet, and no one liked that as much. So, fun fact. But him and his mother, May, who co-wrote Heartbreak Hotel with Elvis, which is, like, fucking cool as hell... Uh, we're both inducted posthumously into the Oklahoma Music Hall of Fame. But this is definitely his most famous movie. Uh, but he was also in movies like The Black Stallion, The Junk Man, The Black Stallion Returns, and King Cobra. So he he's kind of most of... He had a pretty yeah. long career, honestly, mm-hmm. music-wise. Yeah. But he died kind of fairly young, I think. Yeah, because didn't he have... Was it Cerebral Palsy and he had a stroke? afterwards which is very sad i like him he 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 just seems like a dad he seems like a dad but he's he's in chinatown which they filmed in burbank california by the way they didn't actually film it in chinatown which i'm like you're right there just go yeah anyways he's looking for a gift for his son billy and he's beckoned by this young boy to his grandfather's shop and the grandfather is mr yeah so john louis plays the grandson and he was in a few movies like riptide they call they call me bruce in summer camp nightmare so i think he kind of retired from acting a little bit younger now of course mr mr wing they refer to him like as the grandfather or the old man in this one but he's formally given mr wing in part two uh so he actually uh active for literally decades he was charlie chan and charlie chan in paris and charlie chan in shanghai was like two of his movies when he was younger that i was really known for so key luke is an asian Mm -hmm. actor the thing about charlie chan okay so detective shows were really big back then and you know that's how batman started was like detective comics like that that's why batman's more of a detective but there were a lot of ones. There was, and there's like Poirot and Agatha Christie and all that stuff. So Charlie Chan was an Asian, I think specifically Chinese detective, American, or maybe British. I don't remember. But he like interacted. He had a lot of movies. The actor who played Charlie Chan was not an Asian actor, but Key Luke. Yeah, I know. I oh, love wow. this up. It was someone who actually is fairly famous, and I should have written it down. Because I was like, oh, was he Charlie Chan? Because this is also predating Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, so I was curious um, who played Charlie Chan. Well, not not an Asian person. It was Warner Oland, who is Swedish. Wow. But that was his most famous role. But they did at least cast Luke Keys as his son. Yeah. I will say, Luke Key, Luke, I mean, Key yeah. Luke, sorry. Key Luke did kind of make headway for a lot of Asian actors by being Charlie Chan's son. Yeah. 
and and playing that role in so many movies would have been probably nicer if he was Charlie Chan. But he had a huge. He was a very prolific voice actor too, which is amazing. Mm. He voice acted in a crap ton of shows. If you guys are interested in his IMBD, it goes on and on and on. He kind of was like the precursor to, and I'm blanking on the actor's name, but Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. But there is kind of a cultural appropriate appropriation of like like making the East like this mystical place of like magic and mystery. I just want to put that out there because I'm like, that's probably like the most problematic thing about this whole movie. But I will say, because there's a line that Rand says like about bad breath and he says dragon breath and then there's a gong and he goes, I mean, you know, bad breath and he like corrects himself. So I'm like, I feel like they're winking at yeah. it. Because, like, the, no one has a weird accent. Nobody's dressed in yellow face. So I feel like they're kind of, like, winking to older movies, but trying to modernize yeah. it. But I don't think they're quite where we are now. Anyways, so they're in this shop, and it's, like, a curio shop, I guess. Like, a odds and ends kind of shop. But it's got some different things in it. And uh, Mr. Peltzer kind of unsuccessfully starts pitching this thing called the Bathroom Buddy that he's invented. And it's basically like all your toiletries in a little box. And it keeps spitting out toothpaste at him, which is pretty funny. Uh, it's kind of a running gag. And he sees this mogwai. Yes. And you don't really see it at first, but it's singing. And you can hear how cute it is. He's like, oh, I have to get that for my kid. And we do have to say that the mogwai is, of course, the one and only Gizmo, who is played by Howie Mandel, who uh, we always think in our family, we're like, Dill or No Deal. So he's the host of Dill or No Deal. Yeah. But he also created and voiced the character of Bobby Generic on Bobby's World, which I remember watching when I was a kid. Oh, I forgot he voiced Bobby's. Bobby. Yeah, and he was also, I, I never saw Saint Elsewhere, but he was one of the lead characters in Saint Elsewhere, Dr. Wayne Fiscus. And last but not least, because I loved mm. this show when I was little, he was Skeeter and the Muffet Babies. So he, he offers, um, I describe the Mogwai as a furry and cute pet about the size of a Furby with giant bat ears. He offers um, $200, but the grandfather says no sale. As a Mogwai comes with great responsibility. But the grandfather, I mean the grandson, who we never get a name for him, secretly sells him and tells him the three important rules, which we've already talked about. But the most important thing is, like, they don't like bright lights, but sunlight will kill them. Yeah. They can't get wet, and you shouldn't feed after midnight. With it, which, again, when do you feed them? Between noon and midnight? Is that when it's okay? Yeah. I don't know. But anyways, Rand uh, is heading back to Kingston Falls, which is um, his home. He lives with his family. And we meet Billy and his dog, Barney. So Barney's played by Mushroom. Barney is like, this movie is great, but Barney just like elevates this movie in every way because he's just a phenomenal (laughs) actor. He's a furry actor, but he's a great one. He's so precious. Like, just the way he, like, he really does look at Gizmo like he's a real creature, like this whole movie, and it's just beautiful. I think it helps that they're all animatronics, too, because he's like, what the hell is that thing? But he seems to like He Gizmo. does. But Zach Gilligan is Billy. And of course, he was in the TV movie Surviving Waxwork. He did reappear in Gremlins 2, The New Batch, which I thought was really great. The original actor's return for Gremlins 2. Um, he also starred mm-hmm. in episodes of Melrose Place, Tales from the Crypt, and Star Trek Voyager. I believe he is retired from acting now. He still seems pretty 
friendly about this. Like he did an interview like a 30 years later kind of interview about this movie and he's very positive about it. Well, he said it was like a dream because it was like he wasn't really a big actor and I think he was maybe like maybe 19 when he was cast in this movie, 19 or 20. And he said he is like Billy. He's like a nerdy guy. Like Yeah, and they're kind of vague about is Billy in college? Is he in? I think he's in college. But early college, like he's probably 21, I would say, Billy is. But Billy has a car that does not want to work. It's a VW Beetle. And he's got this funny neighbor called Mr. Futterman. And he's like, oh, my American snowplow is a much better choice. But he also asked Billy about his comics because Billy wants to be a comic book artist. Yes. And of course, Dick Miller plays Mr. Uh, Futterman. He was in The Terminator, The Burbs, Small Soldiers, The Howling, Twilight Zone, the movie, and Gremlins 2. So he also returned for Gremlins 2. He does. I love his part mm-hmm. in Gremlins 2. Because, um, yeah. Also, his fate in this movie is kind of undetermined. Mm-hmm. So it was nice that they returned in Gremlins 2. So spoilers. Incidentally, in the novelization of this film, though, it was very determined. Yeah, sure. it was like, fun. it's just really funny because it's like, oh, wait, yeah, the novelization took a darker turn, too. But I like, I like Mr. Mm-hmm. Futterman. So anyway, so Billy rushes off on foot to work at a local bank with Barney. As Barney comes to work with him. He sits, like, under his cubicle, his little station. Um, And it's very clear that he's been living in this town his whole life because everybody recognizes him. And it's a quite little picturesque town. And it's the day before Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. He comes in, he's greeted by his crush and his co-worker Kate, who asks him to sign a petition to keep the local pub safe from the evil landlady, Mrs. Deagle, who's basically traipsing around town being a bitch to everybody as Billy's signing this And petition. it's very funny because it's like when you think of Phoebe Cates who plays Kate, you think of two roles. You think of her either as Kate in Gremlins or you think of her as Linda in Fast Time as Richmond High. I'm Kate in Gremlins because she has a monologue later on in this movie that is just the best thing in the entire world. It's great. World. But I always think because I saw Fast Times when I was very little too and obviously it's funny because the character that has a fantasy about her she gets out of this pool in this red bikini she's like, you know I always thought you're cute Brad and she like unbuttons her bikini and her breasts are hanging hanging out beautiful woman but that was a funny thing about this there she was hesitant because she's like i don't think i'm wholesome enough for this movie and spielberg's like oh yes you are and she plays it beautifully you know it's really funny zach galligan in an interview people asked like what was it like working with phoebe cates you know her coming off of fast mm-hmm. time original high and she he was like well, it'd be funny because we'd go out afterward to a bar or something and like all of these men would be terrified to approach her. And he was like, which is so funny because she's just a very approachable, nice person. But they were so intimidated by her Fast Times at Ridgemont High character. Yeah. But he, she's like, he's like, she's a very sweet person. She's very approachable and kind and lovely. And so, and she's also married to Kevin Klein. Yeah. That's true. But Phoebe Cates doesn't really act anymore. Yeah, I think she's kind of like taken a little bit back. And I think she's like very involved in other things. So she's very, very active, just not really on the acting side of things. She also returned for Gremlins 2, and she's in Drop Dead Fred, which I've never seen, but I have a lot of friends who love Drop Dead Fred. Katie also mentioned Mrs. Deagle. That's Polly Holiday, which I think is an awesome name. She was Flo Castleberg in 90 episodes of the TV series Alice, and Flo got her own spinoff. Uh, she's also, I thought this was funny, because it says she was Marva Sr. in The Parent Trap, and I was like, Marva's! And instantly. So yeah, and she was Gloria and Mrs. Doubtfire, and she was in 21 episodes of the TV series The client i think she was a very much like a cameo kind of 
position in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, she's pretty well established. Oh, yeah. But I love her. Mrs. Deagle is the ultimate rich bitch. She's fucking horrendous. But she plays it so well. Like, she's walking through the streets with this giant porcelain snowman head. And someone's like, Merry Christmas, Mrs. Deagle. She's like, why is it? Or Happy Holidays. So she's like, oh, is it? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And this lady's like, hey, um, so uh, our rent's going to be late, but I got a second job, so we're going to... And she's like, I don't fucking care. I want to make money. And and their kid's just like, mommy, I'm hungry. And she's like, me too. And it's just like, oh my god. She's awful. But she like, it's obvious like, she's the... Is it Mr. Potter? Yeah. Oh, in, it's a wonderful in, life. It's a wonderful mm-hmm. life. The guy who like is like the rich asshole. She is that character in this tiny town. And she comes in and she claims that Barney has broken her imported Bavarian snowman. And Billy's like, oh, I'm so sorry about that. Can I pay for it? And she's like, no, I want your dog dead. I'm like, it's a fucking snowman. Lady. Yeah. So Barney takes offense to this because he's a smart dog and attacks her. He doesn't really like hurt her. Yeah. But he does attack her, which is, you know, not good behavior. Nope. And so she feigns being weak after being such a bitch. And the bank owner, Mr. Corbin, and his sycophantic assistant, Gerald, come in and assist her. And she's like, oh, my heart. Oh, no. She can dish it out, but she cannot take it. Yeah. And I feel bad. I didn't write Mr. Corbin down, but I did his name is edward andrews and he is definitely an actor i've seen in many things but he does like a lot of he did a lot of like character work so i did write down judge reinhold because as soon as i mean as soon as taylor saw him my name is judge sorry as taylor as a development yes no taylor always goes a weenie whistle because of course he was nailed in the santa <gasps> claus yes so. that's also love the sweaters nail. yeah love the sweaters nail another classic tonight yes it uh but so he was brad in fast times at ridgemont high so he's the character that's having a fantasy about phoebe kate's characters uh linda uh but he was in beverly hills cop and beverly hills cop 2 he was also in all the santa clauses uh the first one second and third and then beethoven's third and fourth which i'd never seen but so kate also has a second job at the bar i mean basically like mrs deagle is trying to get the bar foreclosed on and i love the line because like billy's like that's where my dad proposed to my mom and it's a small town so kate's just like that's where everybody's dad proposed to everybody's mom. Yeah. But yeah, we're trying to get it as a historical landmark so she can't destroy it. But Gerald comes upon Billy at the bar where Kate works after work. And he's like, you need to be more pragmatic and capitalistic. And and he's like, like me, I'm an assistant to the president of the blah, 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 blah. And then he hits on Kate and she's just like, uh, no, thank you. Oh, I love the line. Hey, you haven't seen my new place. I never saw your old place. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, Kate's uh, smart. I like her. Yeah. So obviously Kate is saving herself. Well, not her. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's obvious she, she and likes Billy, Billy like each other. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious Billy likes her because they have swelling music when she walks into the bank. But, you know, like, she obviously would rather be hanging out with Billy than Gerald. But at home, Billy starts to help his mom cook dinner with his dad's rather faulty inventions. (laughs) Which is a whole thing. I just love. Every time one of them has to use one of his inventions, they, like, hesitate. 
Like, oh god, what's it gonna do this time? Yes. It's very funny. Although they all laugh about it, too, so I feel like it's not, it's not that problematic. So, we've got Miss Frances Lee McCain as Lynn Peltzer, and she was in Back to the Future, Footloose, Stand By Me, Scream, and more recently shows such as The Girlfriend Experience and Better Call Saul. So, I mean, she was on Better Call Saul like a year or two ago now, so she's still kind of doing her hey. thing. She's like mama roles. She usually plays I the mom. I like her. Yeah, I do too. And apparently, she's kind of upset because Mrs. Deagle keeps calling because she hates Barney but then Rand comes home so they're like oh let's talk about it later and Rand of course gives Billy the mogwai and he's like I started calling him gizmo he seems to like it and it's Barney's kind of reluctant but he's like I guess it's okay yeah and then Lynn decides to take a flash photo and it terrifies gizmo and um so then of course Rand tells him the three rules and gizmo fits right in with Billy and Barney and although he does fall into a trash can and they have to put a little bandage on his head, which is, I'm sorry, just adorable. It is really, really cute. It's really cute. <laughs> but I love every time there's a bright light that he doesn't like, he goes, bright light, bright light, bright light, bright light. It's, yeah, it's very cute. Yeah. And the next morning we uh, meet Billy's neighbor, I guess. Like they're friends, but he's probably like a freshman in high school. It looks like maybe middle school. Had to be high school because of where he went to school. Yeah. And Billy's probably in college. So, like, I I feel like they're neighborhood friends. Yeah. And what it was is that I guess in one of the original drafts, Billy was a lot younger. And they ended up aging up Billy. But I guess they had already cast Corey Feldman, which is And when you got Corey Feldman in the 80s, you are not going to get rid of Corey Feldman in the 80s. Well, this was, like, before he got, like, big. So, this, like, it was, like. It was after the Goonies, though. Was it after the Goonies? Oh, yeah, you're right. right. You're right. Oh, yeah, because he, that's right because Chris wrote the screenplay for The Goonies first, didn't he? It was 85. So right around the same yeah. time as The Goonies. Yeah. But Corey Feldman, I mean, so you reckon, if you watch any 80s movies, you've seen this kid. But he was in Stand yes. By Me as well. Obviously The Goonies. But he also ended up doing The Lost Boys. He was yes. in Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which is the fourth Friday the 13th film. And, and he becomes, he's Tommy. And Tommy appears in multiple Friday the 13th films. So that's yes. a big thing. I did not know this until studying this man for this movie that I love this movie. I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And he was Donatello in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I do love that movie. I never knew that. He's also in The Burbs. Ah. Yeah, I feel like this movie really catapulted him. Cause, oh, Friday the 13th was the same year as this movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, but Corey Feldman is, was like quintessential, adorable, sassy kid. So Pete comes over. Pete is bringing in their tree. His dad owns the tree lot. And we do find out because of Mrs. Deagle and people being selfish, a lot of people in the town are kind of like struggling financially, um, which I think is an interesting thing in the 80s because that stuff was happening, but this was the height of the Reagan era. And people were like, no, no, everything's great. But it's like the rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer. I do like that aspect to this movie that they at least like kind of touch on it without beating over the head with it but Pete interrupts Gizmo watching a racing movie like a really old black and white movie I believe with Clark Gable in it yeah I believe you're right but he Pete accidentally knocks a bunch of water over on Gizmo and out pops five mini mogwais from his back but it seems like Gizmo does not like 
these other ones. And he seems a little hesitant about them. Yeah. They're mischievous. And the leader that they named Stripe, because he's a big white mohawk on the top of his head, is downright diabolical and, like, tries to bite Pete. When he, and it's, it's it's very interesting. It's interesting dynamic. And so Billy wakes up to find Barney strung up by christmas lights he is okay oh yeah they're more concerned that he was outside because it is snowing he's like you would have been a dog popsicle so also i think they're afraid miss deagle's trying to like murder him too yes they think it's mrs deagle yeah i think we all know that's probably the mogwise yes the bad ones um but Rand decides to take barney to the his mom's house the grandmother's house over the holidays for protection. Which I love. It's such a clever form of script writing because the thing about horror movies is like you write a dog in and it's like they automatically killed the dog, which in the original script they did eat Barney. But with that being said, I love this because it made them a normal American family. They have a pet, but puts the dog out of harm's way. I was like, that's very clever on their part. So I do love that the dog is out of harm's way. And it's also a trick to get Rand out of the house too. So, you know, you have one less person to fight the bad things. Um, so the next day, Billy shows his teacher. I'm guessing it's like his former teacher. Yeah. Because Billy seems like he's graduated. Roy Hansen. And I think one of the Mogwais. Glenn Turman, who plays Roy Hansen, I think it's like really cool because he's like super active still in acting. So he was in Super 8, John Dies at the End, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which I didn't hey. get to see, but I know you saw. <gasps> I did. I really yeah. liked it. Sorry, that was really loud. I really, no. really like that movie, though. Yeah, That's I know. Really I good. need to watch it. I really need to watch it. But he also was in 22 episodes of The Wire, which, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't The Wire considered, like, one hey. of the best television shows ever made? It is. It's one that I sadly still have not watched. I haven't watched it either. He was in How to Get Away with Murder, and he's also going to be, or he is on season four of Fargo. So he's, like, still doing his thing. He's really active. Hey. Mm-hmm. I like him in this, too. He's a very, like, curious scientist. Like, he's very much like, what's going on? I I did want to mention Frank Wilker as Stripe because obviously Stripe oh. is our main antagonist. So he does a lot of voice acting work. And I thought the most curious thing was he's been playing Fred Jones in multiple Scooby-Doo and TV shows and movies for like at least the last two decades or more. So anytime wow. you've had, anytime you've heard Fred ever since like the early 2000s, it's always been Frank Wilker. I do think it's very irresponsible that Billy's just like, yeah, let me multiply this Mogwai. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, stop doing it. But that evening on the way home, Billy stops by and walks Kate home from work where she's helping Mr. Futterman out because he shouldn't be driving his snowplow and she's talking about how he's been depressed after losing his job and they're kind of talking about like a lot of people have lost their jobs recently and how christmas gets really depressing and billy's like well gee gee Wilkers, i always thought everyone was happy around christmas she's like no the suicide rate is super high and it's like oh that's and i feel like everyone has that come to jesus moment about the christmas season eventually i think gremlins helped me realize that that was it but a lot of people are like oh wow people get depressed over the holidays like yeah they do it's a really hard time for a lot of people um and then she's like i hate christmas and i don't celebrate it and he kind of like jokes he's like oh what are you like hindu or something and she's like no i just don't like it and um but then she's like i'm sorry i wasn't trying to freak out but he ends up asking her out and 
she says yes. So they're both like, yay. Yay. But meanwhile, Mr. Hansen takes some blood samples from the Mogwai. Which is so sad. Yeah, but I also, like, I get it. I get it, too, but I'm still like, you know, because the Mogwai looks so sad when it happened. I'm just like that poor. Hurt. Well, and also, I guess there was originally an angle about, like, not importing exotic pets. That was an angle in the original script. Yeah. And they're like, uh, we don't, we're not going to do this because we're going to alienate a bunch of people if we do this. Back at home, the Mogwais are begging for food. And Bill, Billy looks at the clock and it's not quite midnight. So he's like, oh, okay, I guess it's okay to feed you. He gets some fried chicken. And they eat it in the most disgusting manner. Yes. And then he offers them to Gizmo and Gizmo's like, no, no, I'm okay. Thanks. But back at the lab, the Mogwai at the lab also gets some of Mr. Hansen's dinner by accident. And in the morning, all of the Mogwais that ate are now in pupil stages in pods. And you do see before this scene, a scene from, I think, pod people oh invasions of the body or snatchers invasion of the body yeah, snatchers. yeah yeah but they are pod people in invasion of the body snatchers they look very similar to that they look kind of like eggs and so like they're like oh it's a pupil stage this is what happens when you feed them after midnight but like they don't seem that concerned they don't even tell the dad who's away at a conference they don't mention anything about it but i do love that the dad calls in mm-hmm. and there's oh my god there's so many references to this movie um, he's calling to check in with his with Lynn, and there's this lovely little scene of all these sci-fi references around him, and because there's like this robot that looks like the robot from Lost in Space, but then behind him there's a time machine that looks like the time machine from H.G. Wells' The Time Machine. Yes, and it disappears behind, <laughs> and there was people going, "Where'd it go? Oh my god!" It's very funny. I just loved that, but she doesn't even mention that. Oh, they're like cocoons literally upstairs in billy's room like oops but unfortunately they do start to open in the lab and at billy's home revealing the monstrous gremlins Mm, yeah and and they're like tall and lanky and scaly green things and they're always Um, laughing and they're always laughing and these bat-like ears and they're just fucking evil basically okay i wouldn't okay i wouldn't say chaos i would say they're evil they're chaos not you evil know, because Stripe is evil, but I think the other gremlins just want to have a good time. I was about to say, they're not here for a long time. They're here for a good time. Good time. Yeah. Yeah, because they just are like, they're just chaos. Yeah. They're just, it's like a bunch of drunk toddlers, honestly, with knives for fingers. So, because it's like they don't necessarily want to kill people to kill them. It's just fun for them. Yeah. I don't know. But Spike is definitely the lead. I mean, Spike. Stripe is definitely the leader. I want to call him Spike for some reason. I do that too. So they attack Mr. Hansen, who I think is dead. I think I guess he, he is, might yeah. not be dead, but I think he's dead. Because I know they take a bite out of his hand and not the snack he's offering. But Billy finds him and he's like face down and there's the needle that he took blood with in his butt. And I'm like, well, that was insult to injury. Literally. Fun fact, there was supposed to be like 15 needles in him. And they were like, ah, oh, this is too graphic. So went yeah. with the one. One got the point across. Yeah. One got the point mm-hmm. across. So he's like, oh no, this is going to be a big problem. And he sees the gremlin and he scratches him. And the gremlin 
takes a bite out of an apple, then goes, ew, and throws it away. And then he takes, a, like, a glass pipette and just, like, eats glass. I'm like, that's one of my favorite things they say in this movie is, <laughs> yummy, yummy. I love it I when know. they say that. Also, it brings new meaning to David Rose going, eat glass. Yeah, I love them severing the phone, too, and going phone home as they do. Yeah, like a little references. Back of the Pelter home, Gizmo is being tortured by them, and they have him on a dartboard. It's so I'm like, oh, he's just like, oh, yeah, oh. poor Gizmo. Lynn, however, is really smart. Because she hears them upstairs. And instead of going upstairs unarmed, she immediately grabs a knife. And they throw Gizmo down the laundry chute. And so he she goes into the kitchen. And one's in like an open blender. Yeah. And she just turns on the blender. And I'm like, that's smart. She puts one of them in a microwave. She stabs one of them to death. Yeah. And she seems to be faring well. And then she thinks there's one in the fireplace but it's actually just a toy and it turns out they're all in the christmas tree yeah and that's probably the scariest one is like there's just like all these arms in the christmas tree and it's terrifying and they attack her and billy comes home just in time to kind of um decapitate the one on top of her with a sword and his head flies into the fire and it goes it's very funny so they killed four of the five at this point yes yeah and the only one that's still alive is stripe who unfortunately escapes and makes his way to the community pool the local ymca because uh, they're too smart yeah and so lynn gets dropped off at their doctor slash neighbor's house and billy and gizmo you know are basically following stripe only to see him hop into the pool and make a multitude of gremlins to descend upon the tiny town. Of course, Billy goes to the police and they think he's crazy. Although they're drinking on the job, so I don't know why they're judging. Um, But he does show them Gizmo and they're kind of like half believing him, but they're like, nah, you're crazy. But he sure is cute. And I remember they give him like an American flag and he's just playing with her like, what a little patriotic fellow. I'm like, or he just got a flag. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't think he's from America originally. Maybe he's a naturalized citizen, though. That is a that is like a little subplot because even Mr. Flutterman he blames the mechanical yes. problems on gremlins, and gremlins on are foreign. foreign. Yeah, yeah. It's it. There's a very like subtle mention of people of nationalism and capitalism, like late stage capitalism, and people trying. To be that all-American. Because, again, this was Reagan America. Yeah. So I understand. It's not quite as militant as MAGA people. But there's, there's like, a subplot of this, like, nationalism slash, like, late-stage capitalism. And, like, almost the issues with that kind of stuff. And I kind of like that because I'm like, at least they mention it. Yeah. Now, the Futtermans are at home. <gasps> Yay! And the Kremlins run Mr. Futterman and Mrs. Futterman over with his plow. Yes, and I did just want to say very quickly, because I thought you would like this if you didn't already know. So Jackie Joseph is Miss Sheila, Sheila Futterman, and she was the original Audrey in the 1960 Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, I have seen that movie. So I was like, oh, Katie liked that. And she was also I Melody do. in the Josie and the Pussycats TV series. Oh, hey. Mm-hmm. That was cute. Yeah. So the police go... 
they get a call about the Futtermans. Meanwhile, the the gremlins are like messing with the mailboxes. They're messing with the traffic lights. They're just causing complete chaos. But the best part is Stripe and a few other decide to go to Mrs. Deagle's house. Now I will say, Mrs. Deagle has a bunch of cats. And I feel bad for her cats. Now they don't eat one of the cats, which I, for some reason I thought that was going to happen. Yeah. But it doesn't. I feel like that was probably in the script too. Let's face it. But um, she's feeding her cats. Now, she's very nice to her cats, although she's mean to human beings. But she's got one of those electric stair chairs, which I always now refer to it as a Mrs. Deagle chair. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, like, this, this is just, like, my earliest memory of it. Although I think there was someone in Harriet the Spy that had a very similar chair. Or another, like, children's Oh, like it that. was Casper. Casper had one. Thank you. You're welcome. But, so she's got a Mrs. Deagle chair. And she's feeding her cats. And she hears what she thinks is carolers. And she's like... I hate carolers. And she grabs a bucket of water because it's snowing outside. That would be awful. And she opens the door to pour the water on the carolers. And the carolers are a bunch of gremlins dressed so like carolers. Cute. And they go, eh, 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 Like, they're just awful. And she's like, oh, no. That's just, they've come for me. And she. I'm not so, ready Stripe, yet. I'm not ready. And Stripe has messed with her chair and so she goes she goes under her chair to go upstairs and she gets flown out her second story window and she falls in the middle of the street feet up and the police are like at the stop sign and they're just like Uh, how's mrs jingle and then like there's a santa claus coming and there's like three gremlins attacking he was like that's Dave Buster. I can't remember what name it was, but like, that's Dave. He does Santa every year. Holy shit. And they like start driving, but Stripe also sabotages their brakes. And so they end up running into another car, flipping over. And then that car runs into, I think, the bank. So it's just, it's just a chaos. It's just so much chaos. But I love the Mrs. Deagle sequence because it's just so funny. And I love the Carolyn Grumble. They it's are perfect. F- it's only second to the bar sequence. I love the bar sequence. Now, I will say, we do kind of hear from Rand. He's on his way home with Barney, and he still can't get a hold of anyone because the phone lines have been cut by Stripe. But he is able to sell a Peltzer smokeless ashtray to some guy, which doesn't seem to be working out too well, but okay. But at the bar, Kate was working her shift. And I guess the gremlins send it upon the bar, and she's the only person working. And so they're all, like, smoking and drinking, and I don't know. I love, there's one hanging from the ceiling light, which is really funny. And they're, like, playing poker and pool, and it's just so funny. Which, who's your favorite gremlin in the sequence? Because there's oh, a lot God. going on here. I don't know. There are, I, I, it's very, very hard. I don't, I don't know. There's one that's kind of, like, dressed up like a girl. And I think yeah. she's like a precursor to Greta. And I think that's kind of funny. Yeah. I think we've kind of decided they're genderless beings. Yeah. They have no genitalia. But they also have fun. They like they kind of like to dress up like in certain outfits and stuff. They do. I don't know. I just love that they're like singing bar songs. I think that's just like one of my favorite parts. Yeah. That they're just like. I yeah. love there's one that's like a beatnik poet. Oh, yeah. Sitting in the back. And he's like all by himself. And it's really serious. And he's like this really dark lighting. He's got a drink. And there's like a candle next to him. But then there's another one that's just 
like harshing his vibe and he just does like this little puppy he's like rawr, 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 and it's so funny and and stripe is like like the one that's dressed like in like a fur stole is like playing poker and then he loses so he shoots the other person very han solo but it's just i don't know i just find the whole thing funny and then kate figures out that bright lights scare them so she starts flashing them with a camera and then stripe tries to shoot her but luckily billy pulls up with his car and like scares them with the headlights so she gets in the car immediately attacks gizmo because she thinks it's another one he's like no, no no he's good he's good he's fine and so she's like oh okay but his car won't billy's car stops working so they go to the bank and they have to run across the street and there's just complete chaos. And Kate finally tells us why she hates Christmas. And they do spoof this monologue in the they do. second movie. I think it's about President's Day uh, or Memorial like, Day Lincoln's, or something. Lincoln's birthday. Lincoln's birthday or something. But so, I mean, it's actually a very well delivered monologue. Yeah. But basically she's like, when I was a little kid. So it's so awful, but it's so funny. It's not funny, but like the way it's delivered is very dramatic. When she was a little kid, her dad went like her and her mom went somewhere. Her dad didn't come home on Christmas Eve, and like the police were looking for him, and like days passed, and it was like really cold, and they still hadn't found her dad. So she went to go light a fire in the fireplace, and she smelled a really bad smell. So they called the fire people. To come check out the chimney. It turns out her dad dressed up like Santa Claus. And uh, tried to go down the chimney. But broke his neck on the way down. And he'd been like dead for days. And she goes. And that's how I found out Santa Claus wasn't real. <laughs> and he's like oh my god. It's just a trauma dump right there. Yeah. But that's why Kate doesn't like Christmas. So this is just another bad Christmas for Kate. So really on par this is probably a better christmas for her if we're to be honest so they they come out and all this all the streets are deserted and the it's it's getting closer to morning so it's a little brighter out and they're like i i, I bet they'll be somewhere dark and lo and behold they find them at the local cinema and they're watching of all things <laughs> Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Which I love that, like, <laughs> contrast. It's like, they're chaotic, and they're watching something so simple and so sweet, and they're completely mesmerized by it. They're singing along, yeah. and I love it. Kate's like, what are they doing? And Billy's looking at them, and he's like, they're watching Snow White, and they're loving it. And, like, they're just like, hi, ho, hi, ho. It's hilarious. They even have a little cameo. Where one of them is wearing mouse ears like Mickey Mouse, which I find very funny. So Billy and Kate are like, let's set the back of the theater on fire. And so they go behind the projection booth. Do you think that Quentin Tarantino saw this and thought, that's what I'm going to do for Inglorious Bastards? Because this is like exactly what happens in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, I don't know. Except no Hitler. I don't know. I don't know if it was like. I guarantee you he's seen Grumble. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He was the video clerk that watched every single movie at his video store. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure he has. But they are able to set the cinema on fire and kill all the gremlins oh, except the for Stripe because he wanted something sweet Aww. across the street. You know, and he's in the candy part of the department store. He was being sweet for because I think he went like I think it was like one of his friends next to him was like candy. And he was like candy. No, no, they ate all the candy. Oh, they ate all the candy. Oh, so he was hungry. I don't think Stripe has a good 
stripe in his body. Oh, but you're right. He is the only survivor. He is. He's the only survivor. But he doesn't really seem to care because he's like, water. I'm going to find water. I thought he said gizmo. So Billy, Kate, and Gizmo chase Stripe into the department store and Billy and Kate kiss. Ooh. Aww. It's very cute. Um, Kate turns the lights on and Billy and Stripe are squaring off in the sporting goods section. He Stripe rides a tricycle for a second. That's very funny and entertaining. I thought that was great. But then he finds a crossbow. Yeah. And shoots Billy with it. I'm like, damn, this is like getting really dangerous. And then he finds a chainsaw. But luckily, this is before battery-powered chainsaws. So he runs out of electrical cords. We can't quite kill Billy. But um, the lights kind of disorient him. And Gizmo sees that there's a window with light. Because now it's about morning. It's like dawn. And so he's like, ooh, I've got an idea. And he takes a page out of Clark Gable's handbook. And he gets into an RC car. And he drives. And this was the part that Gizmo freaked out about when he was... When he first saw the Snoopy and he was barking at it was he's like chasing him down. He's like, Arr! and he's got like the voiceover of the movie he watched with Clark Gable. And he's just like, I'm so cool driving my little car. However, in the garden section, Stripe has found a fountain and a gun. He goes, water, gun. <laughs> it's like, no, it's a bad combination all the way around. <laughs> so, so Gizmo is able to distract him though and he opens the window as stripe tries to shoot him and the light kills stripe and he turns into it's like the nazis melting at the end of raiders but green yeah which i just realized like oh of course steven spielberg was just like just call my guy but he's like i know a guy that can melt some faces I don't know if that's the same person, but I feel like it was because they looked very similar. A big thing, actually, that happened with this movie is that Joe Dante in the studio would butt heads over and over again. And he'd be like, just call Steven Spielberg. And Steven was so busy that he was like, whatever Joe wants. So Yeah, because <laughs> like- he basically said, I bought the rights to this movie and I basically gave it to Joe because I thought he would do great with this. Yeah. So he didn't care. But that's the reason Joe Dante liked the second one, because... This one was such a big hit was that they gave him complete creative freedom in the second one. And so he could do whatever he wanted. And that's why it is wild. I do really like the second one. I wish it had been a bigger hit. because But you know what? Maybe it's good that they both are good, but like they weren't going on forever yeah, and sucking. That's true. So I don't know. We have two really good movies. Yes. Instead of a bunch of crappy ones. Exactly. And Joe Dante gets to come on all the shutter horror countdown he's always on those shows yes. because they're like he did the howling and gremlins everyone likes those movies that's true i do love that there is a jump scare though because like you think it's like it's better and then like it's like Wah! one last like scare and like barney come barney and rand is- have driven back in and they come at the tail end and barney's like i have to help gizmo and Billy, it's very cute. But of course, they head home and the news is like, oh, it's mass hysteria about little green men. And they're all trying to like recover. But Mr. Wing just is in their house. He's not even at the door. Lynn goes, oh, I bet Gizmo would like some chicken noodle soup. And she turns around and he's just like, hi. And she's like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, he could have rang the doorbell. I think that would have been fine. But anyways, he takes Gizmo back. Because he says that Billy is not ready for the responsibility of owning a mogwai. And that Western society cannot handle nature's 
gifts. But Billy and Gizmo say goodbye. And Gizmo literally says, bye, Billy. And it's very cute. I like it because he's like, bye, Billy. But then as they're leaving, he also goes, bye-bye, woof-woof. And I'm like, oh. He also, and Mr. Wing says, you know, maybe one day you'll be ready. And until that day, he says Mogwai will wait, but Gizmo will wait. Yeah. That's very cute. And then Rand does apologize to Mr. Wing. And gives him his smokeless ashtray to make amends. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, some guy at the gas station tried to sell <laughs> Like, that's that's good writing. Uh, and the family kind of watches as Gizmo and Mr. Wing walk into the night. And some Christmas music plays. And then they play the theme song again. By the way, the music was by Jerry Goldsmith. Oh. And I really, really, really like the music. But that's the plot of Gremlins. I obviously really like this movie i think it's appropriately scary but not overly scary it kind of reminds me of like the end of hot fuzz where people get hurt really badly but not viciously killed however i mean some people do that i'm pretty sure mrs deagle is dead but fuck her yeah the only one i'm really mad about is the science teacher yeah mr hansen so the mr hansen is nice supposedly the body count has been confirmed as four so it's mr d mr hansen mrs deagle and there has to be at least two other people killed in this movie well the two cops oh yeah their car rolled over so i don't know yeah i guess that's the four because it is confirmed in the second movie that the Futtermans did survive. But then they get attacked again by a, a gargoyle gremlin. Yeah, which I and love it's hilarious. it. hilarious. Because sec- watching that as like an adult like just the other day, I was like, he body slammed that fucker. Because he does, Mr. Yeah. Futterman takes him and body slams him into the concrete. And I was like, oh yeah, you go, Mr. Well, it's Futterman. also great because they're like, oh, we're going to New York City. And like, like they've like been through all this therapy post-gremlins attack. And he's like, they're like, see, there are new gremlins here. And then there are. And it's really funny. But yeah, fuck Mrs. Eagle. I think we kind of talked about everything. I mean, my favorite two things, I think, are Kate's Christmas speech and the fight with Lynn. But I I will say, like, I love Gizmo, obviously. He's just so fucking adorable. It is just, like, the perfect design. And it's so cute. And I like the animatronics here because... I mean, do they seem perfect? They seem real. Yeah. Even though they're not real. It's just like, I just love this time period where animatronics are so advanced that they do look real, but we don't have enough CGI to not make it worth their while to do animatronics because I just like having that. I also think like the Mr. Hansen scene was interesting because they don't really show the gremlin attacking him. And it reminded me of like the beginning of the thing. And, like, reanimator where, like, you never see the cat. Yeah. But, like, you know it's there. Like, that kind of... And there's just a lot of, like, movie references. But I do think it inspired, like... There was a whole, like, creature B-movie explosion after this movie came out. Like, Ghoulies was a big thing where it was, like, another, like... There was a bunch of movies after this that was just, like... I mean, even, like, uh, Mars Attacks. Yeah. Like, those kinds of movies. Like, there's a ton of movies that this inspired which fun fact tim burton was actually like they thought about asking tim burton to direct this movie because they he had done the short frank and weenie and then they're just like but can he like take on a full feature like film yet we don't know and they didn't risk it because of that i mean fair and then he got to do edward's throat hands and they're like i guess we were wrong yeah but i i think joe dante 
was a great choice. Sci-fi, yeah. and comedy, and less whimsical. Yeah, and I like this one being a little more rooted in reality. Yeah, I like the sci-fi act. I think it works. I do with too. This, these characters, I do too. I think if Tim Burton had directed it, the it would have been a completely different movie tone wise. I felt like yes. it could have gone in a lot of different directions if he had been the one to direct it. I think I prefer Joe Dante's vision yeah. for Gremlins. It's campy. It's silly. It's a little scary, but mostly just fun. Was it, the only negatives I have was like, yeah, there's some cultural appropriation. Like, I don't, I would say more cultural insensitivity, but it's not, like I said, they might be commenting on it, but I've never heard anyone come out and say that. So, you know, that's what it is, I guess. I don't know. That's probably like, but I honestly don't feel like it's overdone. Yeah. You know? So, I don't know. It might be as good as we can get for this time period. Yeah. To not be. It's not, I wouldn't call it flat out racist. Just maybe insensitive. But not, I don't know. At least they didn't put anyone in yellow face. And I hate that I have to say that. But, like, Breakfast at Tiffany's exists. And also, Charlie Chan was played by a Swedish man. Or what about, like, uh, 16 Candles was during this time period. 16 Candles may have came out a year or two afterwards, and Long Duck Dong is very... Yes, very stereotyped. Yeah. Which I do feel like the grandfather is a bit of a stereotype, but not... It's not like... It's like he's in on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like... And honestly, the last scene of the movie, like, it doesn't really seem like very stereotypical. It's just kind of how they dress him. And that's why I think maybe they're trying to, like, a little tongue-in-cheek it. Yeah. I have questions, though. Like, not that you have the answers, Britt. But three questions. We already talked about feeding after midnight. So what time... And listen, Zach Galligan has joked about this. He's like, none of us really understand why it was after midnight because every time is after midnight. Yeah. But do you think Billy had to pay for all of the damage? Since it was technically his pets? Uh, I don't think so, because I don't think that was, like, common knowledge among everybody that it was his pet, so. Because <laughs> I, I was like, what if he had to pay back everybody? He had to do community service for, like, five years. Yeah, no, I I don't think it was common knowledge. <laughs> and maybe they, with Mrs. this is awful to say, but when Mrs. Deagle died, maybe they considered it, like, a fair trade-off. So... <laughs> They're like, well, we couldn't. Maybe she left money to the town. We couldn't too. legally murder her, but your animals did. So yeah, we'll call this even. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Also, why didn't the snow make them multiply? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Because at first I was like, well, they're not covered in it, and then at the end when Spike, uh, Spike Stripe tries to multiply, he just puts his finger in the water. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, why does it? Does it have to be liquid water? Maybe because at first they say don't get them wet. I'm like, well, snow makes you wet. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a dirty. But it's true. I mean, it's true. <laughs> Ooh, snow. Snow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there anything I missed? No, I uh, I agree with you. A lot of my favorite scenes. So I'm like, okay, one Lynn Lynn's like a badass final girl. Like even though she's not like a final girl, like obviously she has the makings of a final girl because she just like just went after those gremlins with no hesitation and that mm-hmm. was phenomenal mushroom is one of the best doggy actors i've ever seen ever if there was like academy award for doggy actors he would have won it absolutely i think there used to be an honorary award for animals that's besides the point there, sh- there should be one there should yeah i think there was years and years ago but he just takes the cake i love the caroling gremlins gremlins that's one of my favorite parts in the entire movie it's just they're so cute 
I don't care that they're chaotic. They're adorable. I know. It's my favorite part. Yeah, I love them. Because they have earmuffs on yeah. and scarves. And I'm like, why do you have them? Where did you... Where did they find them? Yeah. Where did they find all the gremlin-sized clothes? I don't know, and I don't frankly care. I love it. Because it's hilarious. I love that they use practical effects and animatronics. Like, it still holds up. Well, like, you can tell, like, it's a little baby dated in some scenes, but it's not enough yes. to take you out of the film in the least bit. Do you have a rating for it? What would you rate it out of 10? Okay, um, so I lingered between an 8.5 and a 9. It's really, really good. See, I, I went with 8 because mm-hmm. I was like... I mean, but it could be a nine. Yeah. I feel like personally it's a 10 out of 10. Yeah. But like, I feel like master filmmaking. Yeah. I probably have to keep it at an eight. Yeah. I I kind of went with 8.5 because it is a classic movie. There is a very nostalgic factor to this movie. And I think it just, even though, I just think it ages well, honestly. It does. Yeah. It holds up. Yeah. It's I would say it's it's a it's it holds up maybe even better than sixteen candles. Oh definitely. I mean yeah. I can go into how I you know, sixteen candles I loved it, but I, there's a lot of it that's problematic and that's a whole different conversation. Yes. So Oh my god. Yeah. Yes. But but Gremlins isn't I mean, isn't very problematic like you've talked about with Mr. Wing, but other than that, it there's nothing really that's just offensive. Did you have a Grindhouse Girls? I did. So I rated it C for Chaotic Creatures and Christmas Chaos. Oh, I like that one. Mine was, which I don't think this would be a good one because of, it has the name in it, but I said rated G for Gizmos, Gadgets, and Gremlins. Oh, that's cute. And then rated I for Inventions and Icky Imps. Icky Imps, that's cute too. But I think I like rated C. Yeah. It's very, what is it rated C for? Uh, chaotic Creatures and Christmas Chaos. All right. Well, I guess that's that's all for Gremlins. And it's our last full episode of the year. Yeah. Oh, no. No, it's good. I need a You need a break. I love y'all. But I, yeah. I have one thing. I have a bunch of stuff going on this weekend. And then I'm pretty much tabbing out. I feel that. For the rest of the year, except for going to work. But we will do an end of the year sidetracks wrap up. Yay. So we'll just kind of talk about like, what was our favorite things? And I don't know. We'll do something. Um, but it'll just be a chill little thing. So y'all should still get something through like the third week of December. Yeah. Because this should go out on the 14th. So, you know, up until Christmas week. And then we'll be back in January after that. Yay. So if you're more of a episodes person and not as much of a sidetracks person have a happy holiday season and a safe new year be safe out there take your vitamins and wash your hands and get your vaccinations thank you georgia for voting i'm very happy (laughs) i swear i was like someone was like thank you for not voting for the football guy i was like Unlike Alabama. Yeah. But yes, be safe. Have a happy holiday, whether you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah. Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Winter solstice. Yeah. For our witchy friends or anything, you know, just be safe out there. Yeah. And if I'm missing one, let me know. I like learning about new holidays. So don't freak out about the holidays. I know this year, like, I'm being very low-key about the holidays. And you know what? That's okay. Like, it's been a tough few years for a lot of us. It's okay. And inflation sucks. So you know what? I know I have some friends who are just like, let's just make each other stuff or just exchange baked goods. You know what? 
that's okay. Anyways, I don't know where else I was going with that, but <laughs> stay safe. And we love you guys. Thank you for listening all season and uh, returning. And thank you to all of our guests and new friends we've made this year, too. Yay. That has been pretty cool. And we look forward to next season. Yeah. So uh, we love you guys. Uh, I hope you all listen to our next episode and have a real holiday send off. But if not, that's okay. We love you. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. All that good stuff. Happy New Year. And as always, we just look forward to seeing you next time. Um, Same spoopy place, same spoopy channel. Stay spoopy, Stay spoopy y'all. Bye. Okay, bye. Have a great rest of your day, y'all. Bye. See you next time. Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.